Hello, and welcome back to the From Grief to Greatness podcast. I'm Gerard, and I'm here with Christy and John. Hi, I'm Christy. Hi, I'm John. Well, today we're going to talk about how grief and peace can coexist. So concerning loss, at first, all we feel is the pain. Our hearts are broken, but quietly, the realization comes, and we smile, we laugh again, and we find out that uh, within our broken hearts, sorrow and joy can coexist. Love and suffering are inseparable. Uh, we suffer because we have loved. And the recovery can seem impossible, but somehow we, we manage to pick ourselves up and we smile again. You know, we, we remember uh, the little things in life that make us happy and focus on including more of that into our lives. And, you know, we, we've uh, discussed this before. We, we've been over this. There's no right or wrong way to grieve. And finding joy can take a long time. But sometimes in the midst of it, a smile or a laugh will sneak up on you out of nowhere. Now, you can't wish away the grief. And we, we all here on the podcast do believe that time and effort will help to heal your heart. So when the tears come, you let them. And when the joy and laughter bubbles up, you don't ignore it. You just go with it. Uh, in my experiences, I had no idea that these two things could uh, both be present inside me. I just figured you carry the pain around until it turns back into happiness. It almost seems like an oxymoron. I know, right? <laughs> you know, but of course, you know, not knowing for sure that right. it would. Uh, and I think that what gets all of us is that we don't realize it can return mm -hmm. and that the sadness won't be completely gone and, and, and we can still live and thrive with that. And why would we think that? The pain can be severe. Mm -hmm. it, it can and will take you down and sometimes pretty far. Yes. Uh, it was difficult for me to see that, uh, the, you know, uh, the, the, the way back and, and how to continue on with life, uh, feeling the joys that I had felt before. Uh, I've gotten lost in the suffering, just like I've gotten lost in the fun and, and pleasures of life prior to the losses. Mm -hmm. I eventually got there, of course, with the help of my therapist, but it wasn't easy. But at least now I'm, I'm in more of a place of peace about all of it, and I've gotten my joy back. And, yeah. and that does feel good. I, I, like I said, I, I just didn't know. I had no idea. Because you... you if you haven't experienced, uh, you know, a, a moderate to deeper kind of a loss, mm -hmm. you, you don't know the process yet. You don't know the way back. Correct. And it just mm -hmm. takes a lot of figuring and work and everything and mm -hmm. some really, uh, and for me, some deeper thinking mm -hmm. uh, to, 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 you know, I had to carry that. It was, it was like, you know, it was like, it was work. Definitely. And I had to carry that along uh, with me. I had to, you know, make sure that I was sticking with it. And, and yeah, eventually, uh, like I said, it did just kind of creep back up on me. And I finally got back to a, a good place. That's good. Mm -hmm. Well, I know when, um, you know, early on when it happened with my dad, I'd, I'd lost a couple of people prior to that. Mm -hmm. um, in fact, I was telling you about one of them over the weekend, but um, it was devastating, but I have to be honest with you, nothing was like the loss of my dad. Like that felt like, and I know this is such an irrational and high drama statement, but I swear to you, I felt like the world, like life was over, you know? 
Yeah, and it, it was only his life that was over, right, you know, right, but right. Yeah, I it was just like, it leaves a void, you know? And, um, and so, yeah, I, I did get lost in that sorrow many times, but, um, my family, uh, specifically his brother, they were very close and they're, they were both very funny people. So, and actually all of his friends, they all went to high school together. They're hilarious. Oh, sure okay. They must be. So, you know, when everyone gathers at the house, when you first find out and there's like 200 people in your house, but people you haven't seen for <laughs> decades, you know, or whatever, but you hear, you know, there's a lot of crying, yeah. hugging. There's a lot of funny stories right. going around. And I think that's, that's how I honestly learned that there could be a balance mm -hmm. because those happy memories, they're always going to be there. Yeah, that stuff's forever. Mm -hmm. And you can't take that away. No. And my goodness, you know, I, I, well, let's see if, if it was like 21 years ago. So then I was 30. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So I had 30 good years with him. Mm -hmm. That's a lot of funny stories. Let me tell you, that man yeah. was funny. Mm -hmm. sure. So, yeah. but you know, it was hard because obviously, you know, he was, he was like my BFF. We were, we would joke that we were twins, even though like he's six foot and I'm five yeah. two, <laughs> you know, I'd say, Oh, your nose is just a little bigger than mine. It was a bit bigger than mine, but you know, uh, and a little more facial hair, but inside we were the same. And that's why we were so close. Cause we understood each other. Right. So that's okay. why I just felt such a deep loss. And I really didn't know, um, kind of what you said, if, if I could really be okay again. Yeah. Um, and you know how the grief, it comes in waves, mm -hmm. you know? So I just let them, I just let the waves ride because I know you guys know me. I'm, I'm just, I can be emotional, sensitive, and I just have to let it out. I can't hold it in. Um, I can if I'm somewhere where, you know, I'll just drink water that helps me hold it down. <laughs> but... <laughs> it's better for me to just let it go. And, you know, um, but at the same time, I had to also mentally consciously remind myself of those good times of, um, funny stories of how our relationship, thank goodness was at the place that it was at when he did die, you know, because it wasn't pretty when I was a teenager, it wasn't, it wasn't good. I was such a pain, but, um, you know, he, uh, you're right. I, it has to coexist. Um, and it's like you said, it's okay to feel the, the sadness and the, the loss and, um, just let yourself feel it. It's, you know, it's inevitable, but also just know that as time goes on, you can still feel it, but it becomes easier to deal with and not as intense. Right as it was at first. Yeah. Yeah. Mm -hmm. That's what I was afraid wouldn't go away. Right. Me too. You know, I mean, if I, if I sat here and, and which I won't do, but if I sat here and I took myself back to that day and everything, then I could probably, it still wouldn't be as bad, but I could really get myself in a tizzy yeah. and I choose not to do that mm -hmm. because it's unnecessary. Been there, done that. You know what I mean? Right. But yeah. So, I mean, there's absolutely, you know, hope, um, and again, you know, with your support system and your therapist and a lot of hard work up in your own mind yeah. um, that you can, you know, 
make your way through it. Yeah. And, and actually you can heal. Mm -hmm. You can heal. It'll never go away all the way. You know, Mm -hmm. it'll always be there, but it won't consume you. Mm -hmm. And that's important. Yeah. And that's the coexistence. Yeah. It's just going to be there and Mm -hmm. you keep your other parts that were there before. Yes, exactly. Okay. All right, John. All right. So I'm going to talk about something I haven't really touched on before Mm -hmm. when talking about grief. All right. Um, And this is a loss that I've had. That is a loss of omission rather Mm -hmm. than a uh, direct loss. And it's a loss that um, Mm -hmm. has two parts. It's really um, a direct loss and then sort of a loss that um, really continues to grow each day Mm -hmm. um, rather than ebb uh, as we hope for that losses will um as time goes on of course uh we learn to deal with um so let me start from the beginning it's a little it's a little bit of a long story but i feel stay with me mm-hmm. of course um, good okay okay we love so john's was, stories we love we love john's stories yes. <laughs> we'll make that a meme we just love john mm-hmm. yes <laughs> so it was around um 2000 this is before um my um sickness started and I was still healthy and uh, I've been married for about three years. Uh, It was at Thanksgiving and Marie made an announcement. Marie announced that she was pregnant. And um, of course the whole family was excited and I got my all congratulations and all the, you know, the jokes about being a father and all of the, you know, and I took them all in stride and I was, um, you know, I was, um, 33 and really not sure if I was still ready to be a father. I thought I was maybe a little, a little too selfish, you know, Mm -hmm. maybe a little too, um, you know, like it didn't really fit into my plans. I still wanted to to travel and that's not easy to do when you have a young child, you know, Mm -hmm. and I wanted to, you know, still do the things that I wanted to do that, Mm -hmm. you know, where when you have young children, they just take up your entire life. But I, and have seen from my friends. And I think at the time was what was very important is that I just did not really, I did not understand the value of having children. I did Mm -hmm. not understand. So um, Marie has her first sonogram um, lined up and I'm not even, I don't understand the etiquette of these things. And I don't think that Marie even expected me to go with her. She was going to go on her way home from work. Mm -hmm. And uh, I'm just at home um, doing nothing much of all. And she comes into the, into the garage and I can hear the car out there and she's not coming in. I'm like, why is she not coming in? So I go back out and she's behind the wheel and she's, she's just, uh, crying violently. And I'm like, what happened? What's wrong? And she goes, there was no heartbeat. And, um, so she's, um, of course devastated and I'm devastated that for her, I'm devastated for mm-hmm. us. I'm devastated mm-hmm. that I wasn't there mm-hmm. to be with mm-hmm. her. And like I said, I didn't even understand that the husband is traditionally there for these things. And I that I saw so I'm feeling this guilt that I should have been there. Mm-hmm. I'm feeling, um, of course, you know, terrible for Marie even more than for myself because once again, I'm still mm-hmm. very selfish at the time. Now I was not. I was not happy. Of course, that this happened. I was not saying, "Oh, thank God, now I can do." No, what I of want. course, of right? Of course, I was not thinking that. Mm-hmm. But I was not. Of I was not particularly devastated the way Marie was devastated. Mm-hmm. I, I took it more, much more in stride. Mm-hmm. Uh, so it turns out she's has, she's examined and she has severe endometriosis is the reason oh. why she had uh, the miscarriage. I so see. she has surgery 
she has the endometriosis removed, but she has a lot of scarring, mm-hmm. which is going to make it difficult in the future for eggs to attach themselves to the uterine wall. Um, and it's recommended that, um, you know, we try on our own, mm-hmm. but that ultimately IVF will probably have to be the mm-hmm. solution because mm-hmm. it's going to be very difficult to attach, you know, in a yeah. just the regular way. Yeah, I remember so, this. Okay. Yes. Mm-hmm. So we do try it on our own for a while and, and mm-hmm. nothing works. So we go to a very good um, fertility doctor, very good doctor, very nice man, very good man. And um, we go through our first IVF. Um, you know, um, I donate my sample, which is a definitely a uh, event that I do not envy anyone else having to do <laughs> given a cup and i was like this, this, is there anything more and they oh give you a cup and they pretty much put you in a closet <laughs> and say oh, a closet. come back when you're done <laughs> come back when you're done <laughs> yeah oh, and my it's just these like atrociously mm-hmm. dirty dirty magazines in underneath a little shelf mm. and it's like oh really oh my gosh is Ew. this what you expect of men you know yeah <laughs> i was just like this is terrible yeah, this is what gross. you think that men do in order to yeah. produce something uh, oh so anyway i got i got through it and uh fortunately they were able to freeze it and use it um you know because we did have to do it more than once because mm-hmm. the first time um I, and I learned a lot about, um, you know, the, the, the inner workings of the um, of the eggs and the mm-hmm. um, and the um, female um, reproduction process. Mm-hmm. Um, apparently, the eggs that are produced are numbered one through four in um, usefulness uh, mm-hmm. or in how, you know, good the eggs are with one mm-hmm. being the best and four being the least. Mm-hmm. And uh, generally, women for each uh, month of their of their um producing eggs generally produce around 30 to 35 eggs mm-hmm. and uh but marie was only making about three or four uh so she had oh, a problem there okay. as well and mm-hmm. the eggs generally were three number three or number four eggs oh, the, the okay. least you know good eggs mm-hmm. uh that okay. you, you know you want number one to number two so the doctor uh, would take uh, two of the eggs or three of the eggs and put them in and uh, combine it, you know, doing the in vitro fertilization, which is taking the eggs and taking the sperm and doing the uh, fertilization himself mm-hmm. in the test tube, as they as they say, mm-hmm. the test tube baby. But I don't know if he actually does it in the test tube, probably does mm-hmm. it more in some sort of plate and then put, inserts it back into the uh, uterus and hopefully it attaches to the uterine wall and grows and becomes a nice little baby. And, mm-hmm. um, after the first time it did not attach. Um, so we tried to do it again. And the second time, um, it did attach mm-hmm. and we went for the sonogram and lo and behold, there was a heartbeat and we could not have been happier. I thought mm. I could kiss that man on the lips, that doctor, <laughs> you know, give him a big hug, but I, I held Aww. back. And oh, Marie and I were so yes. happy, and I was the I was I was the daddy again. And Aww. this time, I felt the value much more. Mm-hmm. Um, this time, I really understood that there was something here that I should be very happy about. Mm-hmm. And my plans for traveling, or my plans for this or that, did not matter to me. All that mattered to me was that Marie got her baby. I was mm-hmm. so happy for her. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm still not sure. I really completely understood what it meant to me, but it meant so much to Marie. It meant so much to her mm-hmm. that all I wanted was for her to get a baby. Mm-hmm. You know, I, that's mm-hmm. all that was, that was all I wanted in life was for her to get her baby. And cause she was so happy. 
And then we went back for the second sonogram and there was no heartbeat. So, mm-hmm. um, of course, Ray was devastated. I was devastated. Mm-hmm. This time I really was much more mm-hmm. devastated than I was when I heard the news the first time. And um, Marie took very hard and um, she was doing a lot of crying and a lot of, you know, really had a lot of trauma from this Mm -hmm. and really should have been in therapy probably this whole time when she Mm -hmm. was going through this. But we were so we were so ignorant at the time, you know, when it came Mm -hmm. to to the, you know, what therapy could offer to somebody um, Mm -hmm. that we just, uh, you know, just didn't even think of it. And she really should have, you know, had that support because, mm-hmm. you know, I was her support and, you know, I didn't know shit. So, mm-hmm. um, uh, so the doctor said, well, we can still try it again. So we tried it again. And the same thing, number three, number, um, mm-hmm. and, um, no, actually this, the third time, that's right. She didn't even get eggs that were usable. Oh. They weren't even to the quality of three or four. So what he said was that he could, um, <clears throat> He could take some of the sperm sample and just um, at at the right time in a month insert it actually into the uterus, mm-hmm. which is is um, I can't remember the exact name of the procedure, something in uterine, mm-hmm. um, but that didn't work. So he said he suggested that you should really go for a donor egg, so that you can get a good mm-hmm. number one egg, a couple number one eggs, and that would, egg would be mixed with my uh, mm-hmm. sperm. And uh, after uh, thinking it over, uh, we decided that that would be the best thing to do, you know, outside of adoption. It would mm-hmm. be, you know, at least half hours. Mm-hmm. And we decided that we would go with that. And we, we, this is somewhat outside of your own, you know, it's a very expensive mm-hmm. procedure. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah. The first time we had to pay for it ourselves because our insurance didn't pay for it. The second time the okay. insurance did cover most of it. Mm-hmm. Um, this time, however, because it's someone else involved, it, they don't cover anything that the third party does. And she needs to get like tested every week. Each, and you need to pay for the egg itself, mm-hmm. yeah. uh, which is like $15,000 mm-hmm. for the two eggs. Yeah. And, um, so um, by, by this time, um, we've gone through a lot of uh, not just liquidity, but a lot of emotion mm-hmm. and a lot of um, stress. Mm-hmm. and we were very happy to get two number one eggs from her and have mm-hmm. them put in and to then to be disappointed that neither neither of them stuck. Mm-hmm. And uh, this was at the time when we went into the doctor's office, we sat down, and he just put his arms to the desk, looked at us and said, I think it's time that you consider adoption. Mm-hmm. And um, that was mm-hmm. the moment turned from someone that was a person who could provide uh, something useful to Marie, a person mm-hmm. who could provide sperm to someone who could not provide her with um, the means for adoption. Because at this point now we had already moved into my being sick. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> I didn't have a job. I was taking antidepressants and both of those are frowned upon mm-hmm. by people who are giving out babies for adoption. Mm-hmm. Oh, wow. Yeah. You know, uh, so I went from a, you know, a, a live from, you know, I went to a liability after being 
you know, someone to go off for both money and sperm, mm-hmm. you know. So this was, became very emotional and grieving to myself now because I could no longer provide for my mm-hmm. wife the one thing that she wanted the most in the world. Yeah. Um, and it now became the one thing that I wanted the most in the world. Mm-hmm. So we talked and said, well, we've used pretty much all the money we had on the IVF. So there was no way we could afford an adoption, which are very expensive. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. And there's no way that I could be considered um, a doable husband, you know, on the applications anyway. So we put it aside and decided that it was just not meant to be. Mm-hmm. And um, Marie was able to take that grief and I think suppress it the most where she just decided that that was it, that was over. I'm not going to think about it again. Mm-hmm. And I decided to take the same route. But this grief started to slowly come back again because there was the second loss that I felt later when my mm-hmm. peers started having children. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And I saw yeah. them growing up and I right. saw the um, what I was missing. Mm-hmm. You know, I saw Marie's best friend, her husband and her son were big sports fans and I'm a big sports fan mm-hmm. and he was taking his son to the Phillies games and Marie would say, oh, they're at the Phillies game tonight and my heart would just fall. And they would mm-hmm. say, oh, they're at the Sixers game tonight. Yeah. And, um, well, he was very misguided. Unfortunately. He was not at the Eagles games. He was a Cowboys fan. Ah. Dumb sucker. Oh, my. Ah. Yeah. But um, ah. what was he thinking? He was, he thinking. Oh, he wasn't? But um, He didn't know any better. He didn't know any better. But... Um, and I looked even farther as I've gotten older now. And, mm-hmm. um, you know, I'm Marie and I are taking care of my mother. We do her food shopping. We make sure she's taken care of. We take her to her doctors. We do everything we need for her and thinking, well, you know, she's 87 and I'm her best friend and I take care of her. And, mm-hmm. you know, when I'm 87, if God willing, I make it that long, mm-hmm. who's going to be taking care of me? You know, we have no children. Mm-hmm. Marie has a big family, of course. Mm-hmm. And I think, you know, are we going to be, who's going to take care of us? Unfortunately, you know, yes, we do have some money, but, you know, money will take care of me, but will money, you know, keep me from being lonely? Right. You know, can I, I can't give away money, you know, at its wedding. You know, I can't hold money's grandchildren. Mm -hmm. You know, I can't tell money stories about Gerard and friends and and the band, (laughs) you know? Right. Um, So, that kind of grief still grows each day mm-hmm. as um, I see um, Fred's children getting older and, and I see um, Marie's friend getting Fred friend's uh, child getting older. And I see my mom getting older and mm-hmm. um, myself getting older. And I think that if Marie had had that first child in 2000 before the endometriosis, if she never had endometriosis that I would have like a 20 year old child right now. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And my life would be so different. Mm-hmm. Right. Yeah. You know, so yeah. um, that's a loss that um, sure. we carry around with us every day. And yeah. it's a, both a, a loss of the child itself and the omission mm-hmm. of having the child and the mm-hmm. loss that we feel when we see the children among us. Or if I just see uh, a parent with their children out mm-hmm. at a restaurant, you know, 
it, it makes me think of it all the time. Right. Yeah. All the time. Oh, of sure. Course. How, how could it not? Right. The what ifs. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. This, you know, this is a very important uh, part of your story that I hadn't forgotten about. Honestly, I, there are a few times here and there that I wondered, you know, mm-hmm. if, if you would if you would get to yeah. it. It just uh, seemed to never fit in right. to what we were talking about. Right, right. Well, now. It most certainly does yeah. today. Yeah, because, you know, we, those of us that know and love you and Marie, you know, we were all devastated, too, because, you know, we had, you know, known of what you guys were going through. And I guess, yeah, it is, it's hard to imagine, because you know, that, that's a, that's a very, very big thing to, to a couple. Yes. You know, especially, you know, when you're, when you're looking to have children and you can't. Right. Um, and especially the, two people that are so sweet, like you two, you right. would make, like, the make best fantastic parents. parents. Oh, my and gosh. I, yeah, I, I understand this whole thing that you're saying about, you know, seeing other kids. It's mm-hmm. like, you know, with me for, you know, being that my parents uh, died in a car accident. If I see an accident down on the road mm. or something, I can't look at it. No, no, no. You know, I, I just can't. Mm-hmm. And, you know, yeah, it's, it's this is an, on, like you said, this is an ongoing thing. Yeah. So it, it does make it that much harder for, mm-hmm. you know, the peace to come in and, and stay for a while. Yeah. You know, so that it kind of overshadows the grief some. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. So talking about how it coexists and balances, it's it's hard to balance it because the yeah. grief mm-hmm. side keeps on uh, slowly inching up mm-hmm. each day. So yeah. it's it's talking about coexisting. The coexist part is is difficult yeah. because yes. there's always a reminder out right. there because mm-hmm. there's always going to be parents and children wherever you go. Yes. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Oh yeah. You, you just can't get away from it. Yeah. No. You can't. Yeah, it's it's really tough to have a constant reminder. It is. You know, things that can trigger us, mm-hmm. no matter what it is, whether we're talking about grief mm-hmm. or anxiety or any any kind of uh, difficult and uncomfortable uh, uh, feeling or issue that we might have. I, you know, I, I don't. I'm glad at least that you know I don't get triggered too too much. Um, but like I said, the thing with the car accidents that that triggers course, me. Yeah. Um, I don't think too much anymore about the physical pain that I went through, but you know, I do, I tend to, when John and I, when we talk about it, uh, you know, about your situation, that does tend to, you know, bring me a little bit back to what mine was. Mm-hmm. And you, this, this stuff, you see, it's it, the balancing act is not an easy thing mm-hmm. because we, we can tend to, uh, think towards the negative sides of things a lot. And so when those things do come up, it, it's, they, they do feel heavier, thicker, mm-hmm. more difficult to deal with. Absolutely. You know, we, yeah. we attach to that stuff, mm-hmm. uh, I think, more, uh, more tightly than we do to, to the good things. Mm-hmm. And I, was, I think I was saying to Christy before, my therapist Carol says, you know, don't, even mm-hmm. with the good things, try not to attach to them because there's an ebb and flow in life. You know, things mm-hmm. are maybe going to go down over here, so don't get too stuck on the good things. And that was a difficult thing for me, too, because I was like, well, why not? I mean, right. that's, I always thought that that's how you made these two things coexist, is mm-hmm. to, to really, really be, you know, pumped up about the good stuff and, and stay with it. But, you know, she's the therapist. She knows better than I do. Well, there's a difference <laughs> between attaching yourself to it and and 
allowing yourself to feel joy about it. Yeah. Right. You know, and th- I think that's all she meant. Yeah. But you, mm-hmm. you need to celebrate those happy times. Right. All and of us do. Yeah, because mm-hmm. that's, you know, you've got to keep those things alive. Because mm-hmm. the, the, the pain and the suffering can just get so intense oh, sometimes. Yeah. And it, you need I, a break. <laughs> yeah, I, I, that's right. That's like, it was kind of going that way. I've always felt like I need to just kind of step away from it. Right. Because it's just it can be very strong and mm-hmm. it's just too hard to get away from it when it really kind of comes in and, and, and takes a hold of yes. it. So do, do either of you um, feel that you, you know anybody right now in your lives that is having any kind of problem with this sort of thing where, you know, this balancing act, I mean, I'm sure it's, it's very common, but is anybody that you can think of offhand that has, has a problem with the balancing act? Cause I know I do. Mm. Um, I mean, I've, I've got a friend that I, I think just it's a life in general kind of a thing with him. I, I think he he might be like biologically depressed mm-hmm. and he just he just kind of stays with it. Mm-hmm. You know, the, the, it seems like like the joy that he used to have in his life just isn't really there as much anymore mm-hmm. unless he's self-medicating. Mm-hmm. You know, that, then it, mm-hmm. it seems like he can be a little bit happy. But once he once he comes back down. He just goes into the depression, mm-hmm. into the grief and everything, and he just doesn't seem to be able to get away from it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, they, these are sad things to see. Yeah. Because we, we know where we've been. Right. Mm-hmm. Definitely. Yeah. But so, I mean, I guess we all know somebody that, that has either ha- is now or has been dealing with stuff like that. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I'm sure. Just, you know, there are so many things that we've talked about in our podcasts that we can look at and say, well, you know, think there are certain things that are just easier said than done mm-hmm. you know, absolutely and, and we we can try and try and try mm-hmm. and work with our professionals and it can still be difficult mm-hmm. you know we that's true yeah we, we've, we've really got we'll to, it's, it's got to become like a habit like your purpose in life yeah to, to just make sure right you've got to develop the habits like changing your mindset change the mindset mm-hmm. somehow because you have to deal with the grief. You have to deal with the suffering. Right. Let it be. Correct. We've said before, don't try to run around it or hide from it. It, it doesn't happen. It doesn't, it doesn't work. work. It comes out. It comes to you. Yeah. Mine came to me. You know, after my parents died. It took a, took a couple mm-hmm. of years, but it got me. Mm. Oh, that was, I'm... Yeah. I'm Grateful that you you told that that story because I guess it is very important to, to get that kind of stuff out. That is very important. Yeah. Yes. Thank um, you for I'm listening. It was very, very cathartic for me. Yeah, I'm very very Thanks sorry. For sharing of course, that. we always were about uh, no, that's very... you know that part of your life. You've you've been through so much. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. You, you know, we we will. I, I know you're not a horn tutor, so I'll toot the horn for you <laughs> and for Christy. You guys are both very very well connected, strong people. Yeah. It's a, it's an honor and a pleasure for me to ha- you know be doing this podcast with both of you. Aww. Oh, thank, thank you. you. Yeah, as it is with you. Yeah, of course. And John. Well, does anybody have uh, anything else to bring to the table here? Uh, no, I don't. Christy, all right. Thank you. All right, so there's an, uh, another podcast wrapping up. Uh, so to close this thing out, I'd like to say that uh, to imply that joy and peace are absent because grief is still present seems to indicate that it is an all or nothing kind of thing. And it's really not. As we have gone over here, uh, grief and joy can peacefully coexist. Uh, The depth and duration, 
demonstration and the dynamics of both will vary from uh, person to person. And it's important to remember there is room to love and to celebrate life in the very real and ever-present grief that comes with loss. So we'd like to thank all of you for uh, listening to our podcast. And uh, this is the From Grief to Greatness crew signing off, and we'll see you again next time. Hello, and welcome back to the From Grief to Greatness podcast. I am Gerard, and I'm here with Christy and John. Hi, I'm Christy. Hi, I'm John. So today we are going to talk about collective grief. Um, and to get things started, and then we'll go through our rotation as usual. So uh, many of us uh, have a feeling of constant disquiet, uh, an uncomfortable knowledge that death will come to us all or that the world has irretrievably changed. And a lot of people have difficulties uh, coping with that. And there are common reactions like shock and disbelief or emotional confusion, anger, sadness, yearning, and uh, even withdrawal from usual activities. Because as we've discussed before, grief uh, can affect the way that we uh, think, behave, and feel. And everyone experiences personal grief and loss. But the sweeping inroads into all of our lives when it comes to such things as the Holocaust, slavery, 9-11, that's a different story. The scale of loss that's been associated with uh, this pandemic is very similar to that experience during a war or uh, a major natural uh, disaster. We've seen things like AIDS, and genocides, mass murders, and they may not have personally affected us, but we're human, and we mourn loss. So I, in my 53 years, have seen hurricanes, you know, that have happened throughout the world and uh, have felt very, very badly for the people who have experienced them. And then not too long ago, I remember Hurricane Sandy uh, decimating much of the area that I grew up in. And that, you know, John grew up there, too. Houses were underwater or they were lifted and moved. And so many people lost so much of what they treasured the most. And my heart hurt so immensely for them. I, I don't know what I would have done had I been directly affected. I was very lucky. Uh, 70 people in the Caribbean died. 150 in the U.S. $70 billion in damages. Eight and a half million people without power. 650,000 homes were destroyed. And I cried for everyone. And I remember, you know, the, uh, the toll that it took on uh, the boardwalk, the Seaside Boardwalk. I, I grew up in that town. I grew up in Seaside Park. And I spent so much time on that boardwalk and around that boardwalk, the clubs, you know, everything around that area was so special to me. And to see, you know, like the... There was a roller coaster that went into the water, and I remember having fun, you know, on the on the boardwalk up by the rides and everything, and uh, the different businesses that were affected, and the people in the surrounding area. I remember the the drives up and down the strip, and you know, up uh, uh, Route 35, which would lead you uh, along the water, and so many of the homes that were damaged over there. These beautiful homes, and these poor people, and seeing so much of it on the news and, and the people standing there in the aftermath with these crumbled homes and everything, all their possessions, all the things that were so important to them just destroyed. And 
their emotions brought out emotion in me. I remember just feeling it so strongly. And of course, partly because this was my area too, but just in general, it made me think about other tragedies that have happened and how I felt during them. And uh, this general sense of, you know, there's, there's nothing you can do. Powerlessness. You just, you have nothing you can do. I mean, natural disasters happen. Uh, personal attacks happen. You know, there are people, you know, minorities and, and those who are not accepted by society in general that are, that are uh, either, I mean, just being looked down upon m makes me upset. But then when there are hate crimes, you know, things such as that, you know, these are the kinds of things that we're going to talk about today. Um, how we collectively grieve for those people in the world who suffer. And, and it goes beyond that, but that's just to, to get things started. Okay, thank you. Mm -hmm. Well, my goodness, unfortunately, there are so many things yeah. um, that, that we can talk about. I mean, this could it take, is unfortunate. yeah. You're right. yeah. Um, and going back to a time that, you know, before we were even here. Mm -hmm. And um, with regard to, like slavery and the Holocaust. I, I've read, you know, um, a few books on each and I have to be honest with you. I, I can't watch any movies or read any more books about any of that because it rips me up. Yeah, me too. Like I lose it. Mm -hmm. I've had to, I was watching a movie with my mom um, that had to do with slavery and I, I had to get up, leave the room. I went in the bathroom and I just bawled. I, I couldn't even take it. Yeah, crimes against humanity. Yes. To, yes. That's just. To deal with. I don't even understand that. And, you know, um, this may not seem like a, a big deal to many, but the whole thing with, um, you know, I'm just going to say Christopher Columbus discovering America. Mm -hmm. It really didn't happen that way, mm -hmm. the way that they, okay, mm -hmm. so the Indians were actually, like, eradicated. Mm -hmm. And that kills me. Yeah. Like, that, do you know that I grew up thinking, as you may have, that Christopher Columbus discovered America? Mm -hmm. yeah. I didn't know the truth until mm -hmm. I was, to be honest with you, it might have been, like, five years ago. Right. Well, that. Probably okay. a lot of people in that category. Yeah. yeah. Well, that just, that's the same thing. Mm -hmm. You're just going to wipe out people to, to take over. Like, that's just not right. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, that really breaks my heart. Yeah. And, um, and then, you know, of course, there's been uh, things in between then, um, you know, the lead singer of, of a band called queen mm -hmm. yeah so i know i think it was in the early 90s <clears throat> that he that he passed and um from a disease that i think back then was was predominantly new huh. mm -hmm. so i don't yep. think that they had you know a lot of medicine or things that could help prolong or or take away some pain and stuff that was devastating mm -hmm. i had no clue he was sick. Yeah. He is one of the best artists ever. Mm -hmm. 
And I just remember exactly where I was. It was very early in the morning when I found out. And I, I was very, very sad about that. And, and it makes me sad that, you know, something such as that, I, I know it's a disease, but that we, we can't find a cure for it. Like I, that bothers me, yeah. you know? Um, and I might be getting my, my timelines crossed as far as chronological order goes, mm-hmm. but, um, a, a big one that affected me and, and I'm just going to say it was princess Diana. Yeah. I affected loved a lot of people. her. Yeah. yeah. She was a real person. Mm-hmm. She had a lot of issues that I also ha- struggled with mm-hmm. and therefore, and she was open about them. She was a princess yeah. and she did that. Mm-hmm. Like this woman was amazing, yeah. a humanitarian. Mm-hmm. Um, She's very classy. Oh, very, mm-hmm. very classy, kind. Mm-hmm. Anything you wouldn't expect a queen or princess to me. <laughs> she seemed approachable and all Correct. that. Correct. Yeah, and, and so many millions of people felt that way. They loved her, yeah. So when she, um, you know, was in, in that accident, that was devastating. Like, I don't, um, I still have very conflicted feelings and thoughts on the whole situation, but um, that, that was devastating. And then, um, and I, I'm just, you know, doing some bullet points and, and, here's my my final uh and and biggest one was 9 11 yeah okay um again i remember exactly where i was when i heard it i remember what time it was um i was shocked at first you know we didn't even know what it was right okay so there was that um and and mind you all all of these you know, um, these are just the strongest ones that I can think of right mm-hmm. now. Yeah. Okay. So yeah. And then, um, I do remember that, uh, I was on my way to my mom's, it was in the morning and then we were watching the news. And when we finally figured out what it was, um, yeah, I lost it. Mm-hmm. I, I was crying yeah, like too. on my, like mm-hmm. weeping, like I just, that was so, it was shocking, devastating, like how many people died. It was disgusting. It was. And that was mind-blowing. Nothing like that has ever happened. And my niece was born the following day. Oh, wow. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So it was kind of surreal. Yeah. Um, but yeah, it was, um, I don't think I've ever felt that much, like, fear. Mm-hmm. I did too. Shock. Yeah. Like I, please forgive me, but I, it, it, it really, um, encouraged me, if you will, to be very cautious of, you know, what I say, what I do, who I talk to, how I give my information, like a lot of things. Um, to me, that was just a a very scary I can't even say mean because that's just such an understatement, but just the most devastating thing I've, I've ever known, you know, and, and in a way, so every war I feel that way about as well. I know that wasn't like quote unquote war, but it was war. Yeah. It was an attack. It was an attack Mm -hmm. and it was devastating. Just like 
any war that that we've had they're all terrible yeah um you know it's heartbreaking that uh again just like you said in the beginning it's like a a a lack of regard for human life there there's not one there and that really just kind of blows my mind yeah and the minds of so many people correct and you and you've seen it and i'm and you have too john like when that date comes around mm-hmm. and certain dates come you know never forget and mm-hmm. you know it was to be honest with you i mean as sad as it was i remember seeing the people there working together mm-hmm. to you know try to clean it up and 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 so forth and that was amazing it was very very amazing how they pulled together i thought that part was beautiful. Yes, it was. Okay. Um, but yeah, those are, um, those are my, my major points that mm-hmm. I okay. think about. So. All right. Thank you, Christy. And on mm-hmm. to John. Yeah, well, it's, it was Christy. Just to comment on the last thing you said, that's what uh, psychologists find that collective mourning does. It brings people together. You know, mm-hmm. from disparate backgrounds, disparate communities mm-hmm. um, that, you know, and that is, it's a way, a form of healing for people, yes, you know, yes. that, that work together at cleaning I up at the 9-11. Mm-hmm. You know, they're not just doing the job to try and clean up and try and find survivors. It, it helps them heal mm-hmm. by doing that, mm-hmm. you know, from, from the grief that they're going through. And, uh, well, for me, uh, I can remember waking up one morning. I must have been, you know, just around 20 or maybe a little older or so going out putting the television on and, you know, I was still living with my parents and seeing uh, half a building blown away and just helicopters going around, going down and saying, oh, well, there's another bombing in the Middle East. Mm-hmm. And, mm-hmm. Uh, you know, a, a big deal. We see them every day. La-di-da, there's another bombing. Oh, and then all of a sudden they, they flash on the screen, Oklahoma City. Mm-hmm. Oh, I gosh. Like, I was like, what? Oklahoma? Mm-hmm. These things, no, this doesn't happen in the United mm-hmm. States. This doesn't yeah. happen in Oklahoma. And um, the, the shock yes. uh, of, of thinking that this could happen in the United States. It was the first time that I can remember anything like that happening in the United mm-hmm. States. And mm-hmm. I was, um, you know, really just shocked and, and grieved and sad. And, uh, uh, and I, I could not believe that it could happen uh, in the United States. Now, that was the first thing that I could think of, a real uh, terrorist attack. And then, of course, it was followed by um, 9-11 and, uh, you know, the Orlando, the shooting in the Orlando nightclub mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And, and the shooting at the, the from the Las Vegas hotel, mm-hmm. which was, mm-hmm. you know, absolutely terrible. And, uh, the you know, even the like movie the movie theater. The, the movie theaters in Colorado, mm-hmm. the uh, the Walmart mm-hmm. in El Paso mm-hmm. shooting, and um, yeah, and then there was, of course, early on there was the shooting, the first shooting Columbine by the two students, mm-hmm. and um, that really shocked me too. Yes, um, that was because very that was shocking. The, really, it it wasn't the first one in history, but it was the first one in let's say modern media history mm-hmm. that could be yeah. that could be covered you know nationwide worldwide mm-hmm. and mm-hmm. um uh you know being someone that went through high school and was you know not exactly bullied i'm sure to the extent of them but was not part of the you know the popular in group and was you know bullied here and there and was mm-hmm. you know mm-hmm. um i i was mad 
you know, it made mm-hmm. me angry. It mm-hmm. it made me uh, wish that I could get, you know, revenge. But it never, never crossed my mind that, well, why don't I go and get a gun and shoot them? Exactly. You know, right. That to go to that extreme never, no. ever, mm-hmm. ever crossed my mind. And when no. someone to see someone actually do it, I was like, holy shit, man. Yeah. Uh, we're, we're, how can you do something so extreme like that? Right. I, mean, I can understand you want to get back at someone who bullies you, but mm-hmm. to shoot them, yeah. right. to shoot them, you know, I, I, and I just felt um, for all, and then all of the shootings that followed in the schools, um, you know, especially the one in, in Sandy Hook in Newtown in Connecticut, where you were talking like first graders, Oh, yeah. That are getting killed. Oh, my gosh. Not that any student doesn't have, all students have value, of course. Sure, of course. And they're so young like that. They're innocent. Come on. Yeah. It just just breaks your heart. Mm -hmm. And and when you see these people that are in like QAnon and stuff like that, that say, oh, Newtown never happened. You know, you just want to throttle them by the neck. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. You say, "Oh, these shootings never happened. The school shooting never happened in Newtown. It never happened at Sandy Hook. These, these, they're made up by the media." And uh, you know, they have the parents of the school of these kids are actually, you know, being harassed by QAnon. You know, to telling mm-hmm. them, saying, telling them that they made this up, that there was actors and mm-hmm. things like yeah, that. What? And I remember that. Yeah. Oh they, my they are, gosh. They are, they are actually being actively harassed by these people. In oh QAnon. my gosh. And it's, it's, it's just atrocious. It's, it's just it unbelievable. It is just um, beyond vulgar, mm-hmm. you know. And, um, you know, every time there's a shooting, I, I'm, I, it just brings tears to my eyes when there's a new mm-hmm. one every time. It just yeah. tears um, and anger that we have, mm-hmm. that people can, can get, can, that people who should not be getting their hands on guns can so easily get their hands mm-hmm. on guns in this country. And scary, I know this yeah. is not, this is not a podcast about <laughs> gun control. Maybe we should have a podcast about <laughs> gun control. But that might be out, outside our purview, I suppose. <laughs> yeah, right. But, um, yeah, you know, you speaking about, you know, the death of public figures is, mm-hmm. is an interesting phenomenon because, um, you know, these public figures aren't people that we know mm-hmm. yet we think we know them because right. we, we're so have so much access to them. We see the things they do and whether mm-hmm. they're um, like Princess Diana or mm-hmm. a movie star or mm-hmm. like what, what the first real phenomenon of public mourning is like when uh, JFK um, mm-hmm. was killed and mm-hmm. his, in his uh, memorial service, his um funeral service you know there were millions of people lining the streets Mm -hmm. and um it was started off this phenomenon of uh a public figure who people don't know personally but are just incredibly you know just just impressed breaking down in tears you know are overwhelmed Mm -hmm. in, in in uh grief over their passing in the same way they were you know, with Princess Diana, people just millions mm-hmm. and millions of people just overwhelmed mm-hmm. in grief for someone that they didn't know personally. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's something that psychologists have they tried to, you know, analyze why people uh, do that. And it's because of, you know, like you said, she definitely did 
wonderful things for the world. She definitely mm-hmm. deserved her accolades. Mm-hmm. Um, she, you know, what she did for, um, you know, uh, landmines. She did for mm-hmm. starving children. What she did for, you know, all the things she did around the world. And, um, you know, it, it's also a thing, you know, you, you grieve for her death, but it's also a way for grieving for, you know, the people that have died that you've known yourself that maybe mm-hmm. right. you have inside yourself. And mm-hmm. it, it's, it allows another outlet for, for right. you to It grieve. all comes out. Mm-hmm. Yeah, for, for, for maybe people that you've lost in your own life. Mm-hmm. It gives you a secondary outlet to also grieve for them, you know, mm-hmm. a, as well. Um, but, and it also brings to mind, you know, your own mortality because you think that, well, if, if a celebrity can die, then, then I can die too. If this great person can die, um, then there's no reason why I can't die. And maybe it makes you a little bit, uh, aware of, Mm -hmm. of your own death and Mm -hmm. makes you a bit sad about that. Um, but, uh, you know, the, um, more personal uh, ways that I've been affected by um, the collective grieving has been, you know, as Gerard was talking about with uh, the hurricanes, with Sandy came right, you know, into my mom's backyard mm-hmm. and into her house. And uh, oh we had gosh. to um, rebuild everything in her house from four feet up, which meant, you know, all the sheetrock, all the, the rugs, the flooring, the... Oh, my gosh. The... Um, the entire electric had to be replaced all the wiring Mm -hmm. uh all of the appliances had to be replaced uh all of the cabinets up below four feet um the counters the uh you know most of a lot of furniture and you know it's just the entire house had to be repainted you know it's just uh a uh an amazing uh amount of uh work that goes into rebuilding a house Mm -hmm. at at that time. And there's just a lot of, uh, uh, you know, a a lot of going home uh, after eight o'clock when you still don't have power and my mom's staying at my house. So we still don't Mm -hmm. even have power at our house and everyone's Mm -hmm. going to bed at seven o'clock because that's when the sun goes down. Right. uh, You know, we're all going into bed and crying, uh, you know, Mm -hmm. because it, it's just uh, the the destruction of one of what was the destruction of my childhood home. Yeah. You know, I go back there now, and it's like it doesn't even seem like the same house. It seems mm-hmm. like a new house. Like it's not it's not the house I grew up in. Mm-hmm. It, it's yeah. it's a different house. Wow. You know. Yeah. And um, the other hurricanes, like uh, when uh, Hurricane Maria hit Puerto Rico, mm-hmm. so so badly, and that was uh, they were all around New Jersey because there's a strong Puerto Rican um, population in New Jersey. They're making um, donations and having um, uh, wanting people to uh, come and give not just money, but they wanted like, you know, clothes and baby Mm -hmm. stuff and like donations and cleaning material and stuff like Mm -hmm. that. So, you know, they're saying uh, where in I grew up in Carteret, which is in North Jersey, and right next to Carteret is Perth Amboy, where there is a strong, very strong Puerto Rican presence. Even the mayor uh, is Puerto Rican, a Puerto Rican oh. woman. Mm-hmm. And um, so I was just like, I just went to uh, Walmart and uh, filled up my car with all you know diapers and cleaning stuff and socks and underwear and things mm-hmm. like that. And 
and drove up to Perth Amboy. It was about a little over an hour away and dropped all the stuff off at their um, uh, one of their drop off spots. Mm-hmm. And the mayor was there herself and she helped me oh, wow. unload from the trunk. Oh, my gosh. I had to talk to the mayor and she was That's very, amazing. very nice. Mm-hmm. And Ooh. she was like, you know, so why, you know, are you doing this? Why are you coming all the way up? And I'm like, it's just because, you know. I know it was like when Sandy hit us and mm-hmm. I wanted to help out. And because, you know, I don't know, maybe a little bit because my, the first girl I ever kissed when I was a kid was Puerto Rican. <laughs> oh, really? <laughs> and I still always, hold you're that so memory, funny, you know, <laughs> soft and sweet as they yeah. say. Uh, just, and, um, you know, I was affected by the grief of, of Maria because they were treated very badly by the Trump mm-hmm. administration they yeah, were exactly. really give the shaft mm. and I wanted to do what I could to help because I understood the grief that I went through. Mm-hmm. And, um, I think that, um, it, it's important that, um, people that are, are going through, uh, um, grief, um, you know, that, that they feel in, in a collective grief, that to, to, you know, it was just little tips saying to not to discount this kind of grief. They feel like that it's uh, superficial. It's, it's still real grief. It's yeah. still valid. Right. Mm-hmm. You know, yes. and it's important to, to share your feelings with other people, mm-hmm. to not feel embarrassed about it. And, um, you know, to, if, to do what you can, you know, listen mm-hmm. to if it's someone like a singer, listen to their music or mm-hmm. watch the movies or mm-hmm. read about the people and do what you can to make yourself feel better. And if worse comes to worse, if you really have to seek professional help, don't be afraid to seek professional help. Mm-hmm. Don't feel yeah. embarrassed that you're saying, well, I'm, I'm grieving so much because, for instance, Diana died that I can't I can't, mm-hmm. you know, function. Um, go ahead and see a therapist. Mm-hmm. You know, or it's because, you know, David Bowie died or it's because, mm-hmm. you know, this person died or that person died. Prince. Mm-hmm. Yeah, Prince, you know, Elvis, anybody. Michael Jackson. I mean, wow. <laughs> yeah, sure. The outpouring when George those Michael. people passed. Mm-hmm. Was tremendous. Of course. Oh, it of was. course. You know, and there's going to be more of that in the future because more mm-hmm. people, yes, there are, is. people are going to keep dying. There are a lot of yeah. famous and well deserving people out there that are going to die soon from yeah. our generation yep. and um not we're looking going forward to, to that yeah not looking forward to that and you know i know uh there are people that we individually look up to quite a bit like mm-hmm. when, when eddie van halen died just, oh. just mm. a little more than a year ago that mm-hmm. was a great great loss to me and maybe yeah, maybe definitely shed a tear or two mm-hmm. or ten <laughs> and, uh, you know, those yeah. losses are going to start coming as, as uh, we get mm-hmm. older and, yeah. uh, it's going to be tough. It so, is. you know, value your grief, you know, right. don't think that just because it's someone you didn't know that the grief isn't real. Right. right. You know, that grief is real. It is. Treat oh, it yeah, as, definitely. treat it as real grief. Yeah. I always thought it was like, like you said, it's a phenomenon. It's very interesting about, uh, you know, public figures passing and, you know, uh, being that we all have such a strong connection to music, you know, mm-hmm. so many of these people that have passed that we've, you know, felt, uh, we've really felt something uh, about that. You know, they, they, be, they, it's be, we, they become a part of our lives. Exactly. Mm-hmm. You know, they, mm-hmm. they even help to shape our lives mm-hmm. in some way. Oh, you get us through things. My, my heart and head and soul to a point that you make me want to sing and dance when I hear your music, mm-hmm. that, that, you know, we take that stuff personally. That mm-hmm. really, really means something to us when people have moved you to a certain degree, 
Um, and you know, they pass it's, mm-hmm. you know, it's, it's, and I know it's a cliche, but it really can feel like a part of you Definitely. has gone too, because you mm-hmm. are, even if these are older a part you know, of you. musicians and everything that have already done, you know, mm-hmm. the best of their bodies of work, mm-hmm. it's, you know, you're never going to be able to see them again. Right. You know, you can mm-hmm. never see them in concert now performing their great hits mm-hmm. and, no I, more new songs. Yeah. Or... I mean, I, I, I've been very affected by like, you know, the deaths of you know, people like Michael Hutchins, mm-hmm. you know, the singer from NXS, who I was very much into. And John mentioned David Bowie, who I was very into. Mm-hmm. Yeah. These people have, these people have become a part of our, our childhoods and our adulthoods. And we don't want to, we don't want to lose that. Right. Mm-hmm. You know, we don't want to see those people go. No. Because they really are kind of like our, like our, our, you know, secret Go-to. friends, yeah. you know, mm-hmm. that is what they began. We be, we, we They've develop us a relationship a lot with them to mm-hmm. a degree, mm-hmm. even though we don't know them. We develop mm-hmm. a relationship with what they give us, their expressions. Mm-hmm. It makes us mm-hmm. feel good. Yeah. Yeah. I, I had an opportunity. You, I couldn't be a bigger Lou Reed fan. And that's not ah, something yeah. that's unknown to my friends. Mm-hmm. And uh, I had an opportunity to see him about maybe a year before he died. And he was oh, playing wow. at um, the Bergen Performing Arts Center. Uh, for people that don't live in New Jersey, from where I am, it's, it's, a, it's roughly an hour and a half away. It's a good drive. And I had just driven there about a couple months earlier to see um, Dark Star Orchestra. It was a Grateful Dead cover band, very, very talented. Mm. Mm-hmm. It's nationally known cover band, internationally known cover band. And um, I saw he was playing there. I was like, oh, you know, I really don't feel like doing that drive again because it's really a rough drive. I was like, uh, I, don't, I don't feel like doing that drive. I don't think I'm going to go. Mm-hmm. And then he got sick and died. And I was like, I never got, to, and I never got a chance to see him. And I oh. said, you know, you are such a moron. You mm-hmm. are oh. just such a doofus. You are just Stop such, it. and those are the nice names I said to myself. Right, right. The, the names I can say on air. You know, right. <laughs> we and, know you uh, and I think now, yeah, now, now I'm just never going to have a chance to see them. Aww. And I have, and uh, once they're gone, they're gone. Mm-hmm. And, mm-hmm. and you, but their legacy lives on, right. you know, inside us with their music and uh, what they've meant to us and what they've meant to the world and meant to everybody else mm-hmm. will always be there. Their legacy oh, yeah. is going to live on. People will True. be listening to them. Mm-hmm. I know a hundred years from now, 200 years from now. Yeah. Cause I, I remember when I, uh, not too long ago, I saw Stevie wonder and, you know, he was in his sixties and everything. I'm glad that I got my chance to see him and he sounded fantastic and the band and the singers were just so great. Mm-hmm. At one point in the concert, it was early on. I think he was uh, performing the song, Sir Duke. You know, you can feel it all over. Mm-hmm. And everybody mm-hmm. is just jumping in the place. I remember Aww. looking around and getting emotional mm-hmm. at how this man and his music are, are just affecting the people that were there. Right. This is nowhere near. This is a small percent of people across the world that love his music. True. And just to be in the presence of all that, not mm-hmm. just at home listening to it or with a few friends or mm-hmm. performing a song. This was Live. A, a crowd of thousands of people. Mm-hmm. And everybody pretty much is on their feet. You had kids there. You had elderly people there. Aww. All colors. Uh, you know, all different backgrounds, all celebrating that music. And that's just one artist, mm-hmm. one artist of the world. That's awesome. Mm-hmm. And it's just this, you know, uh, it, it's a collective celebration. Mm-hmm. That's why, you know, of course, when they pass, we do feel this collective grief. Absolutely. Yeah. 
Mm-hmm. And, you know, I mean, and just real quick to go back to hurricanes, I remember, you know, just when I first uh, moved from New Jersey to Florida, mm-hmm. uh, you know, I was here a month and then Hurricane Irma comes along oh. and I chased mm. us out of here. You know, I mean, I know it it uh, it changed course and it, it didn't do as much damage in Florida as they were uh, at first projecting. But my friend uh, Barbara and I left and we were on our way to Alabama. <clears throat> to, uh, her husband was uh, he works uh he, he works all over the country, so he had a hotel room in Alabama, so she said, let's just go stay with him. So on our drive there, we're stopping at rest stops and everything, and we're talking to people and everything, and you felt, you know, before anything really happened, you know, in the, uh, you know, uh, closer to home, you know, where we were, there was a collective fear mm-hmm. that that was happening because everybody was, mm-hmm. you know, we were panicking about what was to come. I stayed at and, home. Okay, yeah. And, um, but I'm from here. So. Yeah, you know, of course. Then in the aftermath, we just like with Hurricane Sandy and any mm-hmm. other hurricanes. Then we all started to feel that feeling for those who who did oh get hit hard mm-hmm. by it. Mm-hmm. And you know, you you get to see up close more of how how human we are and how mm-hmm. how you know easily we can be affected. Of course, oh my when gosh. these kinds of things mm-hmm. happen, because we just feel it's just natural for us to feel for each other. Of course, yeah. You know, and even though Irma didn't, quote unquote, you know, damage us that mm-hmm. bad, I was without power for mm-hmm. 10 days. Oh, were you real? Do you know how long that is? That's bad. Mm. And it's hot. I've been without power for yeah. five. Yeah, and that's, yeah. Yeah. Right. And September then, is brutal here. And not to mention, I had four dogs. Mm. And then, of course, the ex sister in law drops her dogs off while she goes and stays at a hotel. Oh, wow. So, six dogs, heat. They're all like panting, oh, you know, laying on the floor. I mean, taking cold showers. And yeah. if you know me at all, I hate cold water. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I mean, it was like my best friend came over um, because, you know, you you lose all the food in your fridge. Yeah. And so you could, um, she goes, if you put ice in the washer machine and then you could put the food in there, yeah. like you could keep it that way. Mm-hmm. But you know, or different things like that. Oh my goodness. It was just really odd like that. You know, I'm, I'm a native Floridian that has never happened. Yeah. So that was just really, and that's think about not having power for that long without being directly affected. So can you imagine what the others were called? I mean, I I can't even, it's it's so sad. Yeah. I mean, when, when we see, like, a, in a situation like that, our, you know, when, when mm-hmm. we're dealing with something like a natural disaster, we see our own situation for what it is, what mm-hmm. we're affected. Mm-hmm. And then, you know, you see the people that are going through worse. worse right. Like you already know what it feels like yes. to be dealing with what you're dealing with. Right. You see people that are without power for, like, you know, so much longer than that. Oh, yeah. Um, without food. And yes. Without water. And mm-hmm. then other homes are, in, you know, are splintered. It was, yeah, it was oh. rough. I couldn't wait to go to work just to be in the AC. Oh, it crushes your heart. Yeah. Mm -hmm. It does. It really does. We all hate seeing these kinds of things happen. Oh, yeah. And again, it's an act of nature. There's nothing mm -hmm. you can even do about it. There's only so much about it. Try to get out of the way. Correct. Um, Yeah, this is is a very important part Mm -hmm. of the, the whole. Mm-hmm. Grief uh, topic is that you know, well, like we said, we have our mm-hmm. individual losses, and then these big things happen mm-hmm. that so many individuals feel as a loss. Right. We respect life, we love life, mm-hmm. and we don't want to see people lose it or, no. or, or see them or, or see them suffer. Houses or, or anything yeah. like that. These things are very important. Yeah. 
Very. So anybody uh, got anything else, John? Uh, no, only to mention, you know, we hadn't spoken about um, COVID, but because we right. had done Ooh, a whole, wow. um, mm-hmm. we had already done a whole podcast on mm-hmm. COVID already. Yeah. But mm-hmm. just to remind people to go back and listen to that one, we're not we mm-hmm. had, we're not leaving that out because there's certainly no. a right. lot of grief brought on by COVID. Oh and, yes, you know, a lot of right devastation. Now, already we're we're up to um, I think it's uh, seven hundred and twenty eight million people have died from COVID in the wow. U.S. Oh as gosh. of right now. That is so really um, to, that's devastating. That's yeah, right. So, you know, there's a lot of grief going on in this country because of COVID. Mm-hmm. Um, but you can go back yeah. and listen to our COVID uh, podcast mm-hmm. to hear more yeah. about that. Cool. Uh, thanks, John. All right. So uh, move on to our uh, closing. Uh, you know, it's, it's hard to come to terms with not being able to do anything, as we said, to prevent any tragedies or illnesses or any of the, the things that we've spoken about. It hurts to know that so many people could be suffering at once. Uh, it's impossible to separate grief into sections and say, no, these tears are for uh, a family member who's uh, passed, or you know, these tears are for the you know, people who went through a tragedy. So in, in those times, it's, it's helpful to just allow the grief and emotion to come. If your thoughts go to other losses in your life, then that's okay. When there is a collective grief event, it can feel like uh, there's more general permission to feel sadness and to be openly emotional about grief in general. Uh, you know, times of uh, collective grief may naturally trigger emotions and memories around unresolved grief from losses in your own life. And these times of uh, national or collective grief, uh, they can be important moments in our lives because they can provide a different perspective on life and lead us to reevaluate what matters. So uh, <laughs> we're glad to have done this podcast. I think it was a very important one. Mm-hmm. And uh, we thank you for tuning in to the From Grief to Greatness podcast. And we will uh, talk to you again soon. Thank you.